Beetle Places podcast. A splendid time is guaranteed for all. And we've got the receipt to prove it. time no see yes the didactic duo is back with yet another beetle places podcast what does that mean didactic i'll I'll tell you later all right okay Uh, well it's going uh (laughs) all right so far carl uh, keep keep going (laughs) okay (laughs) i mean this is the hard bit you know doing the beginnings i always think it's hard and i i find it very hard to think of what to say well uh just don't uh simplify it oh you do all the talking, yeah. and I'll do the punctuation, OK? Oh, fair deal, yeah, OK. <clears throat> ah! Exclamation mark. That takes the pressure off. Full stop. Do you know? Comma. I wish we'd thought of this sooner. <laughs> Semicolon. So here it is. Dot, dot, dot. Yet another episode of The Beatles Places Podcast with Mark and... Ampersand. Call! Hyphen. <sighs> How was that? Question mark? Um, dot, dot, dot. Ah, right. Hello, each and every one of you in order of height, <laughs> starting uh, in the middle. Yes, as Cole nearly so eloquently put it. Sorry, sorry about that. I think. It's time for another B P a W M A C, which mm. stands for Beetle Places um, W M A C, or in other words, the Beetle Places podcast with Mark and Cole. Another chance to dispatch and debate more Beatles features, fun facts, and um, endlessly celebrating just how great the Beatles are and the town they came from. And while we're waiting for our MBEs to arrive from the Queen or Amazon... Yep, yep, anytime soon. ...out the oven, we'll enjoy your company, several cups of tea, imported ginger nuts in Coles from Parlour this yep. fine day yes. or evening. So let's begin. Hello, Col. Hello, back. Yep, it's another soiree here at Casa Col. And once the show's over, maybe we'll, uh, you'll be soiree you bothered. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll get me money back on that joke if it doesn't get a laugh. Is it a joke? Isn't it? it was, apparently. It's what's said on the receipt. Mm. It's uh, Beetle Places podcast time again, folks, with your, all your favourite Beetle bits and bobs. Ain't that the case, Mark? It certainly is. Affirmative good buddy, 10-4 and all okay. the rest. Uh, in terms of things, we have the terrifically good Beatles trivia quiz. Well, I think it's terrific. It good. is, it is, yes. I had spent many, 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 many hours doing it. Uh, with more questions than you can shake a ginger nut at. You just Why did. do you want to shake a ginger nut at? <laughs> uh, we have this month in Beatle history. A ponder over what happened to the band in any month of my choosing. There also, notwithstanding... Or you could sit down, if you like. <laughs> the Beatles book review. Cole's Beatle Places album review. That sounds like one I'm doing. All in all, jolly good stuff. It is. And as, as per usual, as per podcast usual, we'll also include one of those interesting features, and I'm not talking about Mark's webbed feet. Hey. It's, it's, um, it's, it's kind of one and a half features this time. There's the story of the real Eleanor Rigby. 
Uh, and it's interesting, believe me, you, you will. No. And also, we're going to talk uh, about one of those first ever Beatle fans. Uh, a bunch of people called the Cement Mixers. Aye. Good story. Uh, right. Hardened fans. So now you know. Huh. So what I also know is that Mark says the next bit. Ah, right. By Yaki's right, folks. That's exactly what it says here on the back of this serviette. <laughs> oh, oh, it's toilet paper. Oh, yeah. It's uncanny, so on with the show. It's the Beetle Places podcast with Mark and Col. We haven't planned the show, so nothing can go wrong. So, we've arrived, we've unpacked, and now all we need is a mini bar to raid for the obligatory Toblerone. But instead... You can enjoy, or we can enjoy, or we can endure, or you can endure. If you like the first regular feature uh, that we usually have on this uh, Beetle Places podcast with Mark, besides Mark or me, and that's the terribly tricky Beatles trivia quiz. So I'm going to hand over to Kid Dynamite. <laughs> the one He's not here, is he? <laughs> no, remember him. Uh. The one and only, thank and thank goodness for that, Mark Lannister. Yep, there's only me. Uh, I think. There is only one of you, yeah. Thank goodness for that, yes. Thank you for your support, I'll always wear it. <laughs> Back to front, but uh, that's part of the fun. Time, folks, for the Beetle Places trivia quiz. Another fiendish collection. <laughs> <laughs> Twiddle my moustache. <laughs> of uh, fabulous uh, Fab Four questions to scratch your head to, or anything else you want to scratch. So we'll start off with the Beetle Places trivia quiz. Question number one. Mm. Now, it's, there's multiple choices in this oh, uh, question, really. It's like so. doing the O-levels again. Uh, the film that John Lennon starred in in 1966 mm. called How I Won the War, mm. uh, where he wore them glasses and yeah. stuff. And it's a lot of war film. But I want to, want to know who was also in the film, along with him, OK? Great question. There's about six or seven other well-known actors in the film. Uh, so what I want to know is... Uh, oh, yeah. Good good, good one. Who else was in the film? Good one. Uh, after he made the film, he said he'd been looking for a reason to leave the Beatles since uh, he made the film, <clears throat> but uh, he didn't have the guts. Mm. He uh, didn't know what he was going to do after the f- making the film, and if he left the Beatles, so well, he didn't you, know what to do. So. He wrote Strawberry Fields while he made the film, didn't he? So, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. uh, good on him. He so, was, kept himself busy. Yeah, yeah. So uh, question number one... Mm. How I Won the War, 1966. Who else was in the film with him, OK? Right, question number two. In 1961, Bob Wooler. This is before they sort of started uh, becoming famous, famous, famous. Bob Wooler was the MC at a lot of the early gigs that they did. And uh, he wanted the group to make a dramatic entrance. Uh, You know... (laughs) Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm like thinking, la- what do you do, land? So what I want to know, uh, he, he had a few ideas. What I want to know is, what piece of music did he play for their entrance before really? the group appeared on the stage? Sometimes he asked them to play behind the curtains before they, the curtain rose. Yeah. Other times he played a piece of music as an entrance. So what I want to know is, what piece of music uh, did they play before the Beatles uh, came on? Because nice. the girls would start screaming... Um, and mainly for Pete Best because uh, he was a good looking one and he did yeah uh, and he was nearly pulled into the audience uh, one, <laughs> one time uh, that was the start of Beatlemania really where I he, would say so yeah. I would say so so uh, what I want to know is what was the piece of music that Bob Wooler played at uh, some of the early gigs 
for them to make a dramatic, dramatic entrance even. Uh, finally, question number three. In Liverpool, there's a shop called Lewis's, or there used to be. With um, The building's still there. The building is still it's there. It's not a shop. No. It's some kind of apartment. Apartment and hairdressing uh, um, and, and yeah. gym and stuff like that now. Uh, and there's a statue on the corner uh, of a naked man called Liverpool Resurgent. Uh, a lot of people used to meet under there. Meet under Dickie Lewis. Yeah, we don't call it Resurgent, whatever. No. I call it Dickie Lewis. Dickie Lewis. Yeah. Uh, and on the top of floor of that um, Wonder why. Uh, shop, Lewis's department store, sold everything, uh, was a club for the, um, the shop staff. And uh, one evening they had the Young Idea dance for the shop staff. And what I want to know, the, the, the Beatles played there, and what I want to know is what was the name of the club, all right? He <laughs> got you there now. No. What was the name of the club? Uh, yeah. The top floor of Lewis's department store that the Beatles played at. Maybe more than once, I don't know. So yeah. the three questions. How I won the war in 1966. John Lennon was in it. I want to know who else was in the film. OK? Yeah. Question number two. Bob Waller was the MC at a lot of the early gigs and wanted the Beatles to make a dramatic entrance. And uh, what I want to know is... What was the piece of music that they played? That's a good question. All right. Should I know that? I you might do. A well-known piece of mu piece of music. And finally, what was the name of the club at the top of Lewis's department store that the Beatles played at for the Young Idea dance? Uh, I don't know the year, I'm afraid, mm. but uh, it was early well, 60s. Well, you know, you know, yeah, we talked about uh, where they played. They played in some like wardrobes and all kinds of weird places. <laughs> and playing they, mine. They played. So. They played hither and thither. Did they? And uh, which song is that? We'll on? talk. We'll talk about that later. But uh, wow, yeah, nice. good, good, good uh, selection there. Well done, you. Well, thank you. There we go. All right, so no cheating now. Okay. I don't want any Googling answers or ringing up Paul or Ringo or <laughs> looking in the Encyclopedia Britannica or whatever. So good luck and let's see how, how you fare with those teasers today. <clears throat> well, that's the best part of the show over with now and uh, <laughs> I might as well go home, but uh, we'll carry on a little bit longer. We'll move right along with my co-presenter. Hello. And, uh, hello. Hello. Uh, our semi-pro uh, hand-glove model. Da, 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 da. Don't do that, please, oh. Uh, Col, with our other regular feature, the Beatle Places album guide to the Fab Four. This time, it's the 1966 album Revolver, a big turning point in their career. Ah, good evening. Here's a joke. How many nitwits does it take to make a podcast? Well, listen to the Beatle Places podcast with Mark and Col to find out. Right, back to this. This is Beetle Places Podcast with Mark and Cole, and now we're talking about the Beetle Places album guide to the Fab Four with your friend and friendly neighbourhood, Cole. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey! Thanks very, Mark. That's Cheers to Mark for his uh, Beatles trivia quiz. My God, so, some of those questions. He has promised prizes in future episodes. Have the, I? La- the last time he did that, he ate the licorice all sorts before he came here. Mm. So it's my turn to give you... Oops, tell me now. To, on this show, to give you the Beatles Places album guide to the Fab Four, and we're doing them in order. And this time it's that astounding album, Revolver. Aye. Revolver was recorded April 6th to June 21st, 1966, and it was released in August 66. So that was quick by anyone's standards. Yeah, yeah. I've taken longer to sort out my sock drawer than that. Hmm. Naturally, it went to number one around the whole entire world and beyond. <laughs> so. <laughs> Where? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Walthamstow. Ah. Um, the tracks on, on the album, the old vinyl album, were in this order. Side one, Taxman. Eleanor Rigby, I'm Only Sleeping, Love You Too, Here They're Everywhere, Yellow Submarine, She Said She Said, Side 2 was made up of, Good Day Sunshine, And Your Bird Can Sing, For No One, Dr Roberts, I Want To Tell You, Gotta Get You Into My Life, and a great one at the end, Tomorrow Never Knows. What a lineup! So there's, there's even three George songs in there and The Magnificent Tomorrow Never Knows and one of Paul's favourites himself that he personally likes himself all on his own is Here, There and Everywhere. He likes that one. <coughs> Have I not mentioned that before? Uh, talk about a bar being raised. And that's the band. This is the band trying to up their own abilities. So uh, this is them at the height of the musicianship, their, their uh, songwriting skills and every, everything else. Seven albums to to date, uh, a rate of about two a year, plus the singles and the touring and the TV and all the radio stuff, and they were getting better. They were just getting better. This experimentation was apparent in the last track, Tomorrow Never Knows, and George got pride of place with track one being Taxman, which, though being a George composition, Paul played the enigmatic lead on. I don't know if anyone knows that. And when Paul's songs appeared, they were were top-notch too. Critics raved about his minimalist perfection, like a Beckett play, because he was telling stories now, and uh, Eleanor Rigby was one of those, for no one, and so on. After this, the band, just from everyone else's perspective, was just untouchable. No one could reach him. So we always mention the album cover, and this one was uh, different and memorable. It was a clever one. It had a montage of drawings and pictures, and it was done by, not Robert Freeman this time, but it was done by <laughs> their old Hamburg mate and later bassist, Klaus Vorman. And uh, at the time he did it, he was in the band Manfred Mann, and uh, he designed the sleeve on their behalf when they asked him very kindly. Uh, to me, Revolver is just very, very good. I love it. Yep. Yeah, yep. E- even Ringo sang quite well on it. And better yet, it was a sign of more things to come one year from then on. So, and that's Revolver, The Beatles, 1966. This is Sandy Gall at News at 10. <laughs> Get off. If anyone remembers him. Yeah, well, I do. Not Reginald Bowes and Kat, then. No, oh, never mind. That's the Beatle Place album guide. More next time. Beetle Places podcast with Mark and Cole. Please note there will shortly be an intermission where you can buy a wide selection of toffees and chalk ices from the foyer outside. Hi everyone, this is Beetle Places podcast with Mark and Cole, summarised as BPPWMAC. Ah, very complicated. Oh, I'm not doing that again. No. And the time is exactly 
which is close enough to catch up with Mark. <laughs> now he's finished cleaning out his rabbit hutch ah. for us to present another feature. And it's, a, it's another favourite of ours and yours this month in Beatles history. All yours, Sonny Boy. Well, thank you. Uh, you're very, very kind. I know I am. Uh, yes, you are. Um, right. Uh, so this month in Beatles history, I'm picking uh, December uh, for the moment. Okay. Okay. So uh, I'm picking December 1963 to begin with, uh, and um, it's December the 2nd. Elstree Studio Centre in Borehamwood, uh, and uh, they turned up to record an appearance on Associated Rediffusion's Morecambe and Wise show. Excellent show, that. And the group sang This Boy, All My Loving, and I Want to Hold Your Hand live before a small studio audience and did some comedy sketches with uh, Eric and Ernie. And that's where uh, mm. there's uh, Paul Ringo on the drums at the back. Bongo. Bongo, yeah. Uh, Eric walks on and uh, says, Hello, Beatles. <laughs> and uh, Eric says, Where is he? And he turns out he's over there. He says, Hello, Bongo. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that. So, uh, yeah. It, memorable, uh, wasn't it? Great the, one, that. Yeah, they did some comedy sketches with Eric and Ernie. The Beatles, <clears throat> all dressed in striped blazers, closed the show with Moonlight Bay. On Moonlight Bay. And uh, later on, they did the ballroom, Grosvenor House Hotel, Park Lane, uh, for a charity do. And uh, the audience... All were wore evening dresses, so uh, oh, glamorous, very posh. Yeah. So that all happened on December the second. So they did a show, oh, and was... did an evening thing as well. <coughs> they were the Beatles. They were the Beatles. They've got to go from here to there, all over the place. Uh, so now we go from 1963 to 1964 to um, the uh, December the fourth, 1964. Uh, the album Beatles for Sale was released. Mm. Uh, one of the early ones. All oldies, really. Um, uh, they didn't, uh, well, sort of, they, they did a little bit of new stuff, but uh, quite a few of them were old Well, they, they had a full agenda, let's be honest, and yeah. the time to write very busy, was, uh, was going to prevent them. But uh, look what they did when they catching up. We only just talked about it. Yeah. Look how look how well he did, so uh, no harm done. And because uh, on December the 8th, uh, four days after the album was released in the UK, um, George visited Ringo in hospital because uh, he wasn't very well. It added more to the security problems of the hospital there, <laughs> with fans trying to sneak in with George. And also, the Daily Express newspaper reported that Paul told them he would marry Jane Asher. Oh, as but he, is that? He didn't, because we know that. Well, it turns out that, yes, it turns out. Aye. Um, also, right. we head now to 1967, December the 8th again. Very popular date. It December. comes round once a year, I'm it told. Does, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, lots of things happen on that day. Uh, and the EP, Magical Mystery Tour, was oh, released in the UK. Great. Uh, Magical Mystery Tour, Your Mother Should Know, on one side, and I'm the Walrus, and then uh, The Fool on the Hill, mm. and Flying, and Side D, Blue Jay Way. So it was like a, a double Yeah, yeah. EP. I can't tell you how many times I bought that EP, but I yeah. bought it a, lot, a few times. I wore them out. I bought the I bought the album. Oh, the, right. The American version. Yeah, mine was so, smaller. So there you go. Um, so um, that was it, really. I can't think of anything else more interesting that happened Good in December. Though, aren't they? But uh, <clears throat> there you go. That's what happened in yeah. 1967. And now, the weather. There will be lots of weather today, with a chance of more tonight. So wrap up and stay indoors, preferably listening to the Beetle Places podcast with Mark and Col. 
Excellent stuff. And all true, Mark tells me. Oh, aye. More this month in Beatle history and none. Welcome back anyway, one and all, to the regular show and regular stuff. And for your delight, we have another feature. We have a regular feature and I haven't been this regular since I went on my figure old diet. Right. So it's... <laughs> It's time once more for the Beatles book review. And I think I'm flying solo today, no harm done. Aye. So this is when I'm we... I'm running out of books. Rather me. We'll tell you about a Beatles book we've read. And, uh, uh, or call it in, or got our money back for. This time, I'm not so nice. Ah. I don't want to scare anybody. What have you got there? I've got, I've got a book that isn't very good, but I've got uh, to mention it to you. Uh, um, and here it is. What's it called, Cop? Uh, it's called Daddy Come Home. Oh, dear. The true story of John Lennon and his father. Uh, and it's written by Pauline Lennon, who was 20 when she married 55-year-old Freddie Lennon, John's dad. And it's based upon some never-before-published autobiography that Freddie was involved with. And it just includes uh, commentaries and, and uh, information that uh, John probably never knew. Um, what I noticed was I got it because I wanted to have a complete understanding. I like people's points of view. I thought I must get this sort of story understood from everyone's perspective. And I was doing the Beatles family tree at the time. And uh, what I noticed was Pauline Lennon was um, basically as a legacy to her husband who died. Um, she published this quite late, uh, late on. And it came out in 19... I'll get the year right. <laughs> It's at the front, Cole. It, it should be at the front, not at the very front. No. 19, 1990. Ooh. Quite late, because oh. uh, Freddie died in 76, I think. And um, uh, there we are. There's a picture of Fred on the front. So uh, there is. John, on the, uh, John and Fred didn't um, uh, get on so well. But um, what's, what bothers me is it's very inaccurate. It's, it's, very, uh, it's got the um, order of things in the wrong order. And it gets a lot of information back to front. So they start with the Lennons being from Dublin and they were Roman Catholics. And that uh, there was a brother of uh, Freddie. Freddie's father was uh, Jack, uh, also known as John Lennon, but his nickname was Jack. And Jack Lennon supposedly was in a minstrel band and supposedly went to America and supposedly had a child in America and supposedly came back. Um, uh, the first fact about on page 11, in fact, it starts off with the Lennons came from Dublin. Well, they didn't. They came from County Monaghan, which is Northern Ireland, not Southern Ireland, Dublin. Um, they got that slightly wrong. And they also said that um, the family were born there, which isn't true. Um, what happened was we had a Patrick Lennon and Patrick Lennon's son came to England and he had three or four kids, four or five kids, and that included John's grand great-grandfather, John Jack Lennon. So a lot of stuff was just wrong, just annoyingly wrong. Um, <clears throat> they also mentioned about um, Freddie Lennon's mum being a lady called Mary, Mary Maguire. Nickname was Polly, which is a pet name when you have a name like that in Liverpool. Um, they said she was Irish, and she wasn't. She was born in Liverpool, so it kind of it kind of began to grate as a start. I'm only on page 13 by this time, <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, oh, I feel like throwing this away. But for the sake of clarity, folks, and for the sake of bias, um, I'm telling you that this isn't worth buying. It's um, it's a poorly written version of secondhand version of somebody's life, mm. and it should have done more and said more and been more honest. 
especially from Fred's perspective, which never seems to get noticed because he was the father who went away and, and left John when he was very, very young and uh, should have done more, but he didn't and came back when his fame arrived. So it's kind of annoying that he didn't bother too hard, too much. Um, a few facts were about uh, Freddie's dad, who, like we said, or it was said, was in a minstrel band. There's only one picture of him, and it's like him being stood on a, on a stage with a friend who was dressed like a minstrel. But uh, John Jack Lennon wasn't a minstrel. And from all the evidence I've found out, um, there was no such minstrel band in that era when John Jack Lennon was single. Uh, he was married, he was a clerk, he was a railway clerk. Uh, he moved from Liverpool to Warrington and back again. He had two or three marriages and he lived most of his life around <coughs> Liverpool, so he didn't roam. And if there was any music, he was probably just singing in pubs. So unfortunately, uh, Pauline Lennon's version of, of events, Daddy Come Home, isn't quite true as a story. It's, it's a, a miss, it's, it's not, a bit a, of a, not a hit. It's a, it's a miss and uh, a poor miss at that. Probably. Three out of ten. Um, it's, it's written by uh, people who just passed uh, rumours down from one generation <sighs> to another, so, you know, yeah. of family it, stuff. Yeah, if I tell they you a version of, of events, it's a version of events. Yeah. So. Not a lot of research going into it. Really, yeah, probably. and maybe it was ghostwritten too. So, maybe. Um, uh, the, the pity is it could have been better. So... Uh, Poor review. She'll set fire to it, Mark. Go no, on. No. <laughs> no, 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 not now. <laughs> so there we are. Our one and only book review. Not a good one, but it's it's uh, it's it's just to prove that some Beatle books aren't great. The Beatle Places podcast with Mark and Col. Is there no beginning to their talent? Okay, Beatle peoples, it's feature time now. Cole is here with his 90-piece euphonium orchestra and triangle to sing in the key of uh, L, followed by X and Z. Uh, the Flight of the Bumblebee, are you ready? That, that isn't the uh, Beatles' introduction song, was no, it? No, no, no. Only kidding, don't, don't worry. <laughs> Sit down again now. Uh, seriously, Cole is uh, a bit right. Here he is uh, with two featurettes, oh, the yeah. first one about the real Eleanor Rigby, and then after a half-time orange and a rub-down, <laughs> uh, he's going to talk about the very first Beatle fans. OK, Cole. Cheers, and thank you, and uh, I appreciate that, and here's a £5. Thank you, again. Yeah, a uh, little feature, a little mini-feature. Mini I like this. Um, if anyone uh, knows anything about the Beatles songs, they can sing Eleanor Rigby pretty much all the way through. And Eleanor Rigby was a person. Now, the coincidence with that is that uh, there is a gravestone in John's uh, neighbourhood of Woolton, which is St. Peter's Church. And St. Peter's Church has a graveyard, and coincidentally it was found that on one of the stones is somebody by the name of Eleanor Rigby. It's always created that thought that maybe the band came up with the name from remembering playing around there as kids. It's a myth. Possibly, it could be true, possibly. We're in the middle. We don't know. We don't know. No. So this is really a story about somebody called Eleanor Woods. Eleanor Woods. So the Beatles song Eleanor Rigby in a belated history of the Eleanor Rigby gravestone in John's neighbourhood of uh, Churchyard of St Peter's, very well known. But there are some unknown facts which need to be uncovered, as it happens about the uh, lady in question. The gravestone, if you really look at it and read it, uh, reports that Eleanor Rigby was the beloved wife of Thomas Woods, 
So really, she was, as I figure this out, Eleanor Woods, when she sadly died in 1939. Uh, she herself was born in 1895 in, the, in a little village of Much Walton, which was the old name of Walton, where John came from. Her parents were Mary Elizabeth Rigby and an Arthur Whitfield. So really, her real name, as a maiden name, was Eleanor Rigby Whitfield, up until when she married around 1930. So her own father died in 1895, and her mother remarried Richard Heatley in 1911. So as a stepchild, <laughs> it gets complicated. <laughs> I hope somebody's making a flowchart of this. She could have been remarried as Eleanor Heatley. Yeah, uh, could have. But um, records show Eleanor stayed there and lived there with her husband, Thomas Woods, at the time of the late grandfather, John Rigby, and the extended family, which was in a place called Vale Road, where a lot of Beatle things are, 8 Vale Road. And the previous landlord of the house was, coincidentally, a Mr Mackenzie. Now, that's in the song, isn't it? Ah. Um, husband Thomas was a foreman on the railways based at 24 High Street. Now, the weird thing is, there's no train station in Walton, uh, but it does seem... <laughs> To see mod. They had one child and she was called Doris. Not very poetic name, but there she is. And sadly, she died about two years of old age. Uh, Eleanor died herself, 44, of a stroke. And it does seem that Grandad John was determined to keep the family and uh, Eleanor's last given name as Eleanor Rigby Woods. But it could have all been so different if her granddad hadn't bothered to keep the family name alive. So we're talking about Eleanor Rigby, stroke Woods, stroke Heatley, stroke something else. La -de -da -de -could. My name's probably in there as well. Ah, uh, Paul wandered through the, the graveyard, didn't he? Sort of, um, ah, he did. Backwards and forwards. Yeah. And he might have seen the gravestone, yeah. might not, might have yeah. triggered it, something. Everything could it? have been subliminal. So, who knows? Who knows? So uh, thanks, Mark. That's my first feature. I think it's fair enough. We should revisit the quiz questions that Mark raised earlier. Absolutely. Um, if, it's, if we get permission from Mark and he's given me the nod... Here we go. Right. Well, here we go again with a quick run through the questions again in the trivia quiz. Oh, yes, please. I, are you ready? Yes. Question number one is How I Won the War, the film that John Lennon starred in in 1966. I would like to know who also was in the film, <coughs> pardon me, apart from John Lennon. There were uh, about half a dozen other well-known actors. I'll give you £5 for each one you, you, you get right, OK? Uh, so that's question number one. Who else was in the film with John Lennon, uh, How I Won the War? Question number two, uh, going back very early, 1961, Bob Wooler was the MC at a lot of the early gigs uh, and wanted the Beatles to make a dramatic entrance. Um, so... Sometimes they played behind the curtains before the curtain went up. Other times he played a piece of music before they came on. I'd like to know, what piece of music did he play before the group started? Mm. All right? Mm. It's a well-known piece of music uh, before all the screaming started, or just as it started, really. <laughs> so uh, I want to know, what piece of music was it that uh, Bob Wooler played before the Beatles actually came on stage? Some of the early stuff. And finally... Uh, the Beatles played at least once, maybe, I don't know, uh, at um, on the top floor of Lewis's in Liverpool, which is a, a now defunct uh, department store. Yeah. Uh, and on the top floor, they had a club for the shop staff. Uh, and I'd like to know, uh, the Beatles played the Young Idea Dance for the shop staff. And what I want to know is, what was the name of the club? How it got this name, I do not know. 
but uh, somebody will tell me possibly. Yeah, I'll try. All right. <laughs> I'd like to know what was the name of the club that the Beatles played? Oh, at? splendid. Okay. Right. Okay. There we go. Tricky right. to say at least you were right. They I'm are digging, they are digging really down now. It's, it's harder to find questions. So uh, there you go. All right. If you love the Beatles as much as we do, then that's twice as much as we half expected. Is that right? It's the Beetle Places podcast with Mark and Cole. Thanks very much, Mark. Hey. He's good at these tricky questions. I wish he'd answer a few. I've got a headache now. <clears throat> he's got a headache. So he's, he's got there with a big wet towel on his head while I do the next feature. And the next little mini feature is all about the Beatles fans in the early days. And uh, I've covered the ground with uh, a couple of fans who were called the Cement Mixers. Strange names, I'll reveal all. The Beatles had a really fantastic rapport with their fans at the Cavern and locally. Their intimacy at all the gigs was, and most Beatles shows on Merseyside is one of their defining factors that made them so popular and loved amongst all their faithful and protective and loyal fans. And the band just simply carried this habit over when they became world famous, you could tell. So the band knew lots of local fans in Liverpool and beyond by name. Uh, some of the fans formed fan groups and even ran the band uh, rang the band at home at uh, the home numbers and requested songs for the gig af- for the next gig to come. So even when the Beatles went to Hamburg for months at a time, they were kept in touch with their fans of things going on back home. Some of the fan groups at the Cavern adopted crazy names, such as the Bulldog Gang or the Wooden Tops, which was a local puppet um, TV puppet show. And uh, one memorable group were called the Cement Mixers. So uh, luckily, I've researched that one, and I found all the people involved. And they, they were made up of two sisters and two friends and the cement mixers would rally round and go to as many cavern shows as possible uh, now i had a few uh, mates who i know and uh, they went to see the beatles uh, 60 61 62 all over the place and uh, they could say they weren't so much a fan but they had to go and see them it was sort of an addiction to go and see them and they knew all these fan groups that went with them so when they were dedicated you'll see how dedicated they were um, so the cement mixers kept any kind of Beatle memorabilia you could even get hold of. Cigarette butts, cloth, cloth threads. And while the band played in Germany, uh, Sue and Jenny, who were the two sisters, and I'm talking about name-wise, Susan Horton and Pauline Waring, Erica Bale and Jenny Bale. So Sue and Jenny would uh, volunteer to even wash George's car, which was a Ford Anglia at the time. Yeah. And uh, they wrote to George and told him this. So George, in fact, suggested when he wrote back in the letter that he humorously gave them instructions how to wash it, how to carefully wash it, concluding with taking all the dirty water from his dirty car and taking it over to Paul's car and pouring it on that. Sue got to know George's parents pretty well, cleaning his bedroom even and helping with his fan mail once. And once Louise Harrison took her to a Beatles gig in Manchester. Uh, Erica Bale was in the front row of the cavern uh, 22nd of August 1962 when Granada filmed them uh, playing that night, that famous night, with Ringo appearing. And uh, she even remembers Pete Best popped in to briefly that night to pop in and see what was going on, which isn't really often known. Erica Bale herself uh, married and moved out to Texas in the USA. And in later life, she met up with Paul again at a gig in Austin. Uh, which is a music centre all on its own, around October 2014, and he remembered her from the cement mixer days, which is probably a very nice thought. 
but that's it. The words stop here. So I'm going into ad lib, ad -lib mode now. Ad lib uh, mid. Or ad -lib mid. Yep. And um, I think it's high time we revisited, revisited that man of mystery and mirth, Mark Lennister, to serve up a summons on him. And we want those answers. Ah, what those trivia answers. Yes, now's right. the time. Deliver. Right. Okay. Right. Giving unemployed, good-looking, tall, handsome, well-groomed voiceover artists a bit of part-time work. It's the Beetle Places podcast with Mark and Cole. Is that all right? Yes, it's fine. Thanks. L thank you. Yeah. Next. Okay. Beatles trivia quiz answers. Here they come. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. I'll have, have a you go. Have got all those fivers ready for me? <clears throat> I, I, I know. I've given them to you. I hope you've time, got yes, a couple yeah. of fivers ready oh, for me. I'm going to get I've a few got, of these I've right. I've got a sausage, I'm afraid. <laughs> That'll do. Oh, uh, oh no. All right. <laughs> all right. Uh, right. The film, How I Won the War, with John Lennon in it. Yeah. 1966. Yep. I would like to know who else was in the film. It was uh, produced or directed, I mean, by Richard Lester. Okay. Who did Hard Day's Night. But uh, how I won the war? Who else was in the film? Can you tell me? Um, <clears throat> yes, yes, I think I can. Go on then. Michael Crawford. Excellent. Well done. Roy Kinnear. Yes. And a fellow called Lee Montague. Yes. You've been reading my notes. I watched the film. Ah. <laughs> it's an anti-war film, really, it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 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 It's a very good one. It was on telly just the other week. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't remember anyone else, but there's bound to be. It's sort of a. It's like um, Beatles sort of. Uh, actors, actors that followed yeah. them around. Roy Kinnear was in two Beatles films that I know of. Yeah, and Michael Crawford was in uh, some others to have him, and also uh, the Phantom yeah. of the Opera. Yeah, excellent. I, lo I love Michael uh, Crawford. Uh, Roy Kinnear is a well-known co comedic actor, yeah. and Lee Montague, uh, smallish fellow, dark hair. If I remember rightly, yeah, uh, in quite a few films and stuff as well. He, he just he, just he, one he, of that gang you kept those, on seeing yeah. in British movies. There's also mm. Michael Horden. Sir Michael oh, Horden, was, now yeah. well-known actor, mm. a fellow called Jack Headley, yeah, uh, and another man I don't know called Jack McGowan. I haven't heard of him before. No, but, um, came and went by the sound yeah. of it. So there was uh, Michael Crawford, Roy Kinnear, Lee Montague, Michael Horden, Jack Headley, and Jack McGowan oh, were the main right. people in the film. Okay, okay, well done. Here's a fiver. <sighs> One of those big five-pound uh, white ones. Because right? uh, uh, after making the film, John said uh, he'd been looking for a reason to leave the Beatles since he made the film, but he didn't have the guts because he didn't know what he was going to do, really. But uh, Kind of changed his mind, didn't he? He changed his mind yeah. a little bit yeah. and uh, got Luckily. a bit fed up and then uh, found... Um, he had a, a, dire a direction again. Yeah, he had a respite, I reckon, like most of them needed. So. Right, so... That's question number one out of mm. the way, okay? Question number two. Yeah. Back in 1961, Bob Waller was the MC at a lot of the early gigs and wanted to make uh, a dramatic entrance for the Beatles. So uh, what piece of music did he play f before they came on the Introductory stage? Music, Introductory music. Introductory yeah. music okay. as a sort of a... Uh, a thing Okay, that did. Uh, I thought initially, Rise of the Valkyries... You're not far off, really. It's, it's a piece of classical music. Is it the William Tell Overture? It is. Well done. Yes, have oh, an apple. <laughs> Hang on. No, I'm no. not having that apple. Oh, no, I'll put it down here. <laughs> yeah, thanks all right. Okay. Going on, it when you're not here. Yeah. <laughs> yep, he played the William Tell down. Overture. Put that crossbow down. Uh, 
Which was also the theme music to The Lone Ranger, wasn't it, I think? Was da, it? Da, 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 da. No, it wasn't. It was uh, I, uh, Ivanhoe, was it? Or, uh, I can't remember yeah, now. Well, yeah. Early early uh, 1960s, it was. 1950s uh, theme tune. But the William Tell Overture by Rossini was played by Bob Waller before the Beatles came on the stage. Yeah, okay. it, do, it doesn't seem to fit, but I suppose at that time it was a good idea. Yeah, and finally, question number three, what was the name of the club on the top floor of Lewis's in Liverpool, the famous department store, uh, which has now changed into uh, flats and uh, a post office? A velodrome uh, or something, I don't and, know. Um, I lost uh, track. Something else, a gym. Um, so the Young Idea dance for yeah. all the shop staff, the Lewis's... Uh, Managers put on a dance for the shop staff, uh, and uh, the Beatles played there. Uh, I'd like to know what was the name of the club. It's got a number in it. It has got a number mm. in it. Was it six two five? No, because that was the lines in the telly at the that time. Was, that was that was there was a six two five club. Um, yeah, that was in this diary thing here somewhere. It's a number uh, though. Um, it was. You got two of the numbers correct. Oh come on, you can't do. Uh, that. I'm not playing the lottery. Uh, I've no idea why it was called this, but it's called the Five Two Seven Club. Okay. Maybe it was ran from five to seven of an evening. It could have done yeah. after the sh- shop shut. Maybe yeah, yeah, at five o'clock. Yeah. It, was, it was a big hit. Apparently Possibly. the gig was good. Yeah. So uh, the Five Two Seven Club. That was the name of the club on oh. the top floor of Lewis's in Liverpool. Wow. wow. So uh, there you go. Well, thanks, Mark. I uh, got a chance to do some ironing while all that was happening. <laughs> so, uh, shiver me maggots, raise me rent, it's quitting time. Hey, doesn't time fly when you're on the verge of having fun? Uh, yes, Carl, isn't wrong. So it's time to cease and desist and end and close this Beetle Places podcast until the next time. That's what the court order says anyway. Aye, aye. The man's outside now with his big mallet. Never fear, dear listener, Carl and Mark shall return very soon with yet another Beetle Places podcast with regular features. Not so regular features, regular me and regular Carl and features we haven't thought of yet. (laughs) And more and less even. (laughs) Yes. So uh, wishing you all, one and all, and uh, well, and uh, we'll catch you all uh, next time on Beetle Places podcast with Mark and Carl, unless we catch something ourselves. Ah, thanks for listening. And, um, yeah, like a bus. Yeah. <laughs> or chicken pox. <laughs> so that, that's us done. Ta-ra. Let, let's clean up. Yep. Right, you get them up, I'll get the disinfectants. Right, so get me trousers yep. on and I'll yep. clear off them. Yep. No, you missed a spot over there. Just do oh, that bit sorry. over there. Sorry, madam. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just in the corner that there. Bit, that bit there. Is that yeah. okay? And there's nice. cobwebs over there. Oh, not yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. Your house yeah. is a mess. So what, what's all these breadcrumbs doing around the floor? Not anything to yeah. do with me. Yeah. Big rolls everywhere. Thanks for listening to the Beetle Places podcast with Mark and Col. We hope to see you again real soon and don't forget to visit the gift shop on the way out.